it got any better, we'd just all go home after that. So. <laughs> Thank you for coming today to uh, Aberdeen Baptist Church. May God bless you each and every one. For our passage today in Scripture, it's found in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verses 18 through 31. And is my tradition, I wanted to tell you a little story as I was studying the, our Scripture this morning. It kind of struck me, being from Mississippi, that this is a lot like the difference between city folk and country folk. And so uh, I remembered a story about a friend of mine from Yazoo City, Mississippi. Uh, his little boy had raised a really prime cow, and uh, he was in 4-H, and that cow had won all the local awards. And so he had a chance to take his cow to Memphis and uh, put it in the regional 4-H competition. And so he did that. And uh, he came back, and his dad picked him up at the train station, and his bib overalls was stuffed to overflowing with dollar bills. And his daddy said, boy, am I going to have to take you back behind the woodshed and give you a whooping? Did you rob a corner store or a bank? He says, no, daddy, I didn't rob nothing. Uh, before I left here, I took a sack full of goat heads with me. And it's not my fault if I sold them for a dollar a goat head as porcupine eggs <laughs> to those city folk. As we go into our text today, uh, let's, let's go ahead and read. And it goes like this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will set aside the understanding of the experts. Where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believed through the foolishness of the message preached. For the Jews ask for signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful. Not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one can boast in his presence. But it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became God-given wisdom for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading of his precious word today. As many of you know, I am an old man. Some of you are going, no, not really, but I is, I is. And uh, I can remember a time when uh, the four uh, television channels put on Sunday morning cartoons. I don't know if you remember those. I, I remember, I used to love those. And I remember my Uncle Larry uh, used to come in and he would sit down with me and watch him with me when he was visiting. 
So I, I really enjoyed those. But for me, it, it kind of gave me a sense of when I was in trouble, I needed a superhero. Uh, many of you might remember the movie Ghostbusters. It came out when I was in seminary a long time ago. And uh, it said, who are you going to call? Was the, was the big uh, byline there. Uh, when the world is in trouble, call upon Superman, the man of steel. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. If you happen to be living in Gotham City, turn on the bat signal. And Batman will come a-running in his big car. How many of you remember uh, the cartoon Adam Ant? He was, he was in the same show as Secret Squirrel. And he would be down in the ground in his secret hideout, and he would get the call. And you'd see him fly in the air, and his battle cry was, Up and at him, Adam Ant! And he would go save the day. Another one of my favorites was Underdog, a beagle with superpowers who could save the world. And the show would come on with a theme song. And all I remember was speed of lightning, roar of thunder. And I just love that. I just love that. And for me, it was like, if there was trouble, we need a superhero, someone who is larger than life. But when we think of superheroes, words like gentle, humble, and loving don't come to mind. We want someone who is powerful and dynamic to save the world, don't we? Folks, make no mistake, the world is certainly in need of saving. The world that was created by God was beautiful. It was a perfect paradise. But God in His infinite wisdom and incredible love for us gave us the gift of free will. Man could choose to obey God and live in paradise, or he could choose to rebel against God, rejecting Him and cursing the world that God had lovingly created for him. And man, through Adam and Eve, chose to rebel. The result is that the world we live in is cursed. Sin dominates our world, and with it comes disease, hatred, war, pain, suffering, and selfishness. The world is broken in the need of a Savior. Now, if you and me got a committee together, and we were pulling putting together the plan to save the world, we would call in the powerful, the charismatic, the special people in the world, wouldn't we? The talented. Those who could get things done. That's what we look for in our leaders. God doesn't work that way. Speaking through the prophet Isaiah about the salvation of the world, God says this in Isaiah 55, 8-9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, said the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I think of that, and I'm arrogant enough to say, wait a minute, maybe not. I mean, you know, 2,000 years have passed. But here's the funny thing. I don't see anybody creating life from a test tube. I don't see anybody doing anything that God could do. I don't see it. I remember a long time ago it was a really big deal when we were cloning sheep. 
And we found out that the clone from Dolly the sheep, who was six years old, that clone had all the characteristics of a six-year-old sheep. We weren't creating life. We were just running it through the copy machine. You know? God is forewarning us that our way to salvation is going to be a little different than the way God would do it. Rather than send a powerful hero into the world, rather than to call for Adamant or Superman or place a sign in the sky for Batman, he sent a defenseless baby. God always has done things differently than the way we would do them. And Paul addresses this in the scripture this morning. Paul is reminding the Corinthian Christians that even though God's plan might seem foolish on its face, it's actually brilliant. Its strength is stronger than any human strength. And yes, even stronger than any superhero. Then he reviews God's plan to use weakness and humility as strength. Look at verse 26 again. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. God is reminding them where they come from. He says, look, when I chose you to grow his church, talking to Paul, when he chose you to spread his gospel, there wasn't much to you. You know what he was talking about. People, you could dress up but not take anywhere. People say that about me a lot. You can dress me up, you can make me look good, you can take me somewhere, I'm gonna follow it up. I'm gonna say something silly. My wife can bear testimony to that. But God didn't choose me and he didn't choose you because you were wise or wealthy or powerful. That's the mistake that our politicians fall into all the time. They want to tell us how wise and powerful they are. They want to play down their wealth. God doesn't need know-it-alls. He needs regular folk. He wants to use regular folk so that when they do things that are out of character, out of the norm, that people will think about them, that He, our Lord, would be glorified. Our application to this passage of Scripture is that God can use anybody. Christian, don't sit here this morning and think that God can't use you. God chooses to use those that the world would not choose to use. There is nothing special about me, I know. I struggle to be barely competent. But you would be amazed at all the people who see me now that knew me back then. And they're amazed at what God has done. Believe me, if God can use this old country boy, he can use anybody. I've told you that when it comes to churches, every church has got a hellion. I was Oak Forest Baptist Church's hellion. And... Uh, I did not have a filter between my brain and my mouth. I would say anything that came out of, my, out of my brain. It would just come out. 
God chose to use me. Not because I went for it and said, hey God, look at how great, brilliant, wonderful, wise, talented I am. No. As I was trying to figure out what to do, God was tapping me on the shoulder. Hey Ed, got something for you. Okay God, but I'm, I'm, I'm young. I got stuff I want to do. Why don't I be a lawyer? God said, okay. So he let me work for a law firm called Shell Buford Calicut and Perry. And I worked for that law firm as a clerk. And it didn't take very long for me to realize that I was too moral to work for a law firm. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. That moral vacuum that we're supposed to enter into as lawyers wasn't for me. And I thought maybe I should be a doctor. And uh, one day I, I, was, I, I had a bad accident and cut this thumb really bad. And you can still see this white scar. And uh, blood was spurting out of it. And so I took a rubber band and wrapped it around it and stopped the blood. And then I passed out. <laughs> Not going to be a doctor. And there was all kind of things that I wanted to try. I was in the, the Navy. I was a radar man. And I really loved doing that job. I really did. It wasn't for me. Finally, I listened. God said, Ed, you have acquired enough GI Bill points to go to college and go to seminary. And I'd like you to do that. And I thought, I uh, really didn't want to do that. I fought it. I fought it so hard. But the time came when I found myself at a Baptist college and uh, went through it. And the more I studied the more I grew to love the Bible. The more I studied, the more I grew to love God's people. The more I studied and the more I observed, the more I found out that if they can do it, and God called them, I certainly can do it. It's not something that I can do on my own. I can't stand in this pulpit and preach this sermon without God. It would be a waste of your time. To hear what Ed's observations are. But the reality is that God chose me to do this. I still don't know why. And after I got done with Baptist College, I went to seminary at Golden Gate. It's now called Gateway Seminary. And uh, again, so much. I got to preach in so many churches. I got to meet my wife. And that was a miracle. I mean, I was 29 years old. Nobody wanted me. Still the, still the hellion. And uh, God came along and found somebody for me that could tolerate me. Thank you. And here I am. Uh, got through seminary, joined the army, and became a chaplain. Did that until 2011. And met wonderful people. I got to do so much. And God used me. Uh, I was still a broken stick. But God was able to use me to change so many lives for the better. And the application here is this. If he can use Ed Williamson, folks, he can use you as well. We are the people he wants to use. Those that are not the people of statute. Not the ones that were voted most likely to succeed in high school. I'm not putting down success. 
We just need to understand that God can and will use anybody if we allow him to. Look at verse 27 and 28 again. Indeed, God chose those things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. I was reading a commentary on this passage and I came across something by John MacArthur, and it went, The world measures greatness by many standards. At the top are intelligence, wealth, prestige, and position, things which God has determined to put at the very bottom. God reveals the greatness of His power by demonstrating that it is the world's nobodies that are His somebodies. And the world's nobodies are His somebodies. God can use anybody. All the religious leaders of Jesus' day thought they were somebody. God says it's not about who you are, your position in life, your statute. The religious leaders of the time proved that. Perhaps some of our religious leaders of today should take note of this piece of Scripture. Look at who God calls the greatest man who ever lived apart from Jesus. I'm talking, of course, about John the Baptist. He had no formal education, didn't have a trade or a profession that we know of, no pedigree from his family, no prestige at all. He walked around in the desert eating locusts and wild honey, Scripture tells us. He walked around preaching on street corners and called the religious leaders names and accused them of gross sin. Today, we would consider committing John the Baptist to an insane asylum. In Matthew 11, 11, he says, this is Jesus, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. John didn't fit the mold of a person you would go out and recruit, does he? He doesn't fit the role of a superhero that's needed to save the world. God uses ordinary people just like you and me to bring about His plan here on earth. We are what God uses as superheroes. Why does He do this? Why not just use gifted orators, the charismatic leaders, the scientists, and the philosophers? Take a peek at verse 29. Because God uses regular, everyday people, they cannot boast and say, look at what I have done. Look at me, I am great. When God uses everyday people, they in the world realize that their wisdom, their accomplishments, their wisdom about the Lord come from Him. You see, God uses folks like you and me to glorify Himself. And we cannot boast because of this. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. God has a purpose for those that He calls and uses when He unites them with Christ. First, God imparts wisdom. Not the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom of God through Christ Jesus and what He did and who He was. That wisdom says that before we came to Christ, 
we thought we could earn a way into eternity if we believed in an eternity at all. We were not philosophers or great people or statute, but now we have the wisdom of God to show the world that their wisdom does not come close to matching the wisdom of God. Our union with Christ also gives us a righteousness that people seek. People are always trying to please a deity of some kind. And I could sit down and rattle off the deities that people think are worthy of worship. And I'm not talking about the names of other gods. I'm talking about the things that we think are important. I would say for about 75% of this country, career is God. I would say for a great number of people, family is God. I would say for a great number of people, going up in the mountains and spending the weekend sliding down a perfectly good mountain is God. For some people, it's the roar of a V8 engine that's God. For some people, it's getting up and going out on a hunting trip. And I like to hunt. But that's God, and it's not. I almost want to share a story about that one time, but I probably should shelve that for later. With our union with Christ comes a righteousness that is imputed, which is theologically to give the person Christ's righteousness through their belief in Him to us. We who are nothing are now everything to God. We are righteous through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not through who we are or our status in life, but through Jesus Christ. We are also sanctified. Our scripture tells us that through our belief in Jesus, He made us pure and holy. He made us pure and holy. This on one, defin def on one definition. Sanctification is a state of separation unto God. All believers enter into this state when they are born of God. We are set apart, special unto God. What a glorious feeling to know that we are special to God. Not in arrogance. For who we are before God is who God called us to be. Out of nothingness. And has saved us and set us apart. Lastly, we are redeemed. He freed us from sin. He did that by paying the price for our sin. To redeem means to buy something back. We have been bought back from the power and punishment of our sin. I think about myself sometimes. I was sitting before a pastor, Tom Hudson was his name, and he said, many of you in this church today, you are wrapped up in chains. And there's a lock on it. The devil has tied you up in sin. But what you don't realize is though, yes, you are chained up, a sin has got a hold of you, a sin that you can't break. But if you could see your sin through God's eyes, all those heavy chains, there's a lock on them. And lo and behold, the key is in the lock. At any time, you could be free. 
at any time, you could have joy. And so often, we forget to turn that key and let God take those chains off of us. We are redeemed, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, which takes the place of all other sacrifices. I was recently introduced to a song by a Christian music group called Big Daddy Weave out of Mobile, Alabama. And there's a song called Redeem from 2012. I won't sing it to you, but I will read it to you. Seems like all I could see was the struggle haunted by ghosts that lived in my past, bound up in shackles of all of my failures, wondering how long this is going to last. Then you looked at this prisoner and you said to me, Son, stop fighting a fight that's already been won. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll, say, I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain, that I'm not who I used to be, for I am redeemed. I'm redeemed. As you look around you today, there's people here that could talk about their testimony of what it took to bring them out of the sin that besetted them so. I told you about my friend Teddy who kicked heroin and the miracle it took to get him off of that. There's people out here that you, you, you got addictions that you, you can't get rid of. And I'm not talking about physical addictions. Maybe you have attitude addictions. Things that you just can't break free of. A friend of mine, someone that I really respected, Jerry Clower, made this observation. He says, how can you talk about your fellow men? How can you talk about your fellow women? How can you ascribe a difference in how God loves them according to their skin color. Talking about Mississippi. And from that point on, he changed a lot of hearts in the Southern Baptist churches in Mississippi. And we started having people of different ethnic backgrounds come into our churches and welcomed. That was a chain that bound our churches. We dealt with it a lot. I remember... Tom Hudson, I, I mentioned he led me to the Lord. Tom Hudson had a couple of folks come in the church that were black folks, sat in the back. And Tom Hudson was a magnificent teacher. I'm, I, can, I cannot claim to be 10% of what he was. He, God blessed him in such a way with knowledge and, and the ability to, to spread it. And these two people heard him, and they were blown away. And at the end of the service, they came up to him, and they hugged him and they said, we've never heard it preached that way in our churches. Can we keep coming? And Brother Tom said, yes, of course. Yeah, the people in the church didn't like that too much. And it turned into a big struggle between Tom, Brother Tom, and the deacons and the members of the church and those two black folks. And finally, Brother Tom said, it can be only one way. If you can't welcome these brothers and sisters in Christ, then I'm not welcome either. And he put in his resignation. And it took that for my church 
to walk away from that nonsense of segregation. It took that for my church to put it down and say, no more, no more. Anyone that wants to come in our church and worship God, they're more than welcome. And I'm delighted that it's that way in our churches today. We have chains of sin that we don't see. We have chains of sin that beset us. They're chained, and you can tell what they are because you read a passage in Scripture and you say, well, that's not what I'm doing. I want to let you know that the Scriptures trump anything that you might believe about yourself. The Scriptures trump any attitude that you might have. The Scriptures trump any belief that you might have that separates you from God. We are redeemed. Paul writes that if we want to boast about all of this, remember who is the originator of all of this. Remember that you are not all that in a bag of peanuts, like my friend likes to say. If you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. So we need to boast about our freedom, our wisdom, our righteousness, and all these things. But we need to boast about how God made it all possible. Look at how he took regular people and saved them and is using them to bring salvation into this world, even in this very church service. Please bow with me in a word of prayer. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, as a sermon I heard one time says, we are just dust. We are just dust. But Lord, you're able to take that dust and make such wonderful things happen. Lord, I'm reminded of the $4 violin that once the master touched it, tuned it, and played it, it went for $1,000. Lord, I'm reminded that how little we are is inconceivable when we imagine how great God is and how God will use us. Oh, Lord, bless us this day. Bless us in our closing. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.